0: This morning we are kicking off a new series called Uncompromising, and it's a study in the book of Daniel. So there, we got these books, and we picked them out um, for Daniel. And they don't go along exactly with the sermon, but it's a great guide to go through the book of Daniel. They're out in the, the welcome center here. Um, wise words. It, I think they're about eight dollars. If they if we run out this morning, because we sold in the first service, we got about a hundred. Um, just write your name down. We'll make sure that we get you one next week. Um, so you'll have that so you can kind of follow this series along with us. All right, so this morning again we're kicking off this series called Uncompromising. And I'm I'm telling you, I'm giddy. I'm so excited because you know, we finished the the story of Joseph and all the all the things that he went through and we said what we wanted to do is we starting out in bondage some area of your life that Satan has a grip on the enemy has a grip on whether it's you're too anxious, you're you, you know, you can't control your temper, whatever the case may be, maybe a sin that you've fallen into a habit, um, an addiction or whatever. So we start out in bondage like the Israelites were in bondage in Egypt. Okay, and then we want to get to the promised land. And so we made decisions on how we're going to move from bondage in that area to the promised land. And I know we have a long way to go in our spiritual journey as we're walking through, but we've we've gained a lot of ground. We've gained a lot of ground. The last series, How Big Is Your God?, helped us kind of go go the distance here, and so we've gained the ground. Now, this series, here's what it's going to do. It's going to help us hold that ground. That's what we want to do. We want to hold the ground that we have taken. So the the question we need to ask ourselves is, how do we hold that ground? And see, the book of Daniel is a great way. It's a great teacher. The story, the stories that we read in Genesis and Exodus, right, and Numbers and the people that we study, they were inspiring. Well, the book of Daniel is the same way. The book of Daniel, I truly believe, will inspire our hearts to hold our ground. So as we begin, I want to give you kind of an overview. It's important to kind of lay the foundation and give you an overview. Daniel lived approximately 600 years before Jesus. Okay, so the book covers a period from about 605 B.C. to around 530 B.C. Like Joseph, Daniel is taken captive. He's taken captive, but instead of being taken to Egypt, he's not taken to Egypt. Daniel instead serves under a line of Babylonian and Persian rulers. As our story basically unfolds, Daniel is a teenager. He's probably be, probably around 15 years old, so he's 14 to 16. So as the story unfolds, Daniel's a teenager and he's taken by the Babylonians. And, and like Joseph, when Daniel is taken into this foreign land, he's given authority to rule over most of the province of Babylon. Over his years there, he begins to be he begins. He's a man in that position. He oversees the other leaders, if you will, of the country. So Daniel and his friends are taken from their home in Israel to Babylon. That's where our story begins. Now, their faith is going to be stretched because now they are going to have to serve this godless Babylonian king. And they're going to have this incredible journey. And this and they're going to have to face this intense cultural change. They go from their homeland serving the Lord. All of a sudden now they have to serve this Babylonian king and their culture is going to completely change overnight. So let me lay out the significant uh, players, if you will. All right. First, in one corner. You have Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, one of the most powerful men in the world. Now, when the Bible talks about the Babylonians, when it it talks about them, the Babylonians represent a worldview that is in opposition to God and to God's people. And when the Bible speaks of Babylon, it, it, it always speaks in negative terms. Babylon always symbolizes evil. And it always symbolizes opposition to God, God's kingdom, God's people. And you think about it. I want you to think about this. We have the the Bible, right? Genesis to Revelation. So in the book of Genesis, we talk about the Babylonians. If you go to Genesis chapter 11, you hear about the Tower of Babel, right? So There it starts in Genesis. And then in Revelation, Revelation 17 and 18, it talks about the end times where the entire world system will ultimately be destroyed. And the Babylonian Empire, basically the Babylonians are kind of the symbol of that empire. That's those systems, if you will. In Revelation chapter 17 and verse 5, it says the name written on her forehead was a mystery. Babylon, the great, the mother of prostitutes and the abomination of many uh, of the earth. That clear enough for you? I mean, that's basically when you talk about Babylon, it symbolizes evil. It symbolizes opposition to God. It symbolizes God's worldview, how you look at the world. So there's the kind of part of the foundation. In the other corner, we have Daniel and his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These are pretty much our heroes of the story. They represent a godly worldview. People who have a desire to follow God, to obey God in the world in in which they live, even though the world in which they live is in total opposition to their worldview and to their God. But they do everything they can. To try to stand up under the pressure and live for the Lord. And over all of it, just like in our last series, over all of it, you have the sovereign hand of God. God was with Joseph. God was with, you know, God is with Daniel. God is with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. His sovereign hand is over it all. With that as a backdrop, there is absolutely incredible, I mean, incredible application to our lives. So as I read through this over the next few weeks, I've written the last, actually the next three sermons. So I'm all pumped about it. I know it's coming. And uh, so I, I want you to step back for a moment and think, OK, he's talking about Daniel. He's talking about this book that was written in the Old Testament. How does it apply to my life? Oh, my goodness, does it apply to our lives? It has incredible application to our lives. So as I'm talking about Daniel and Nebuchadnezzar and Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, Ashpenaz, as I talk about all these people, you need to apply this to your own life. You need to see how this fits into your, your own life. See, if we want to if we want to stand strong, if we want to hold our ground, if we want to become the people that God has created us to be, we're going to need to stand strong in the world in which we find ourselves. We're in the 21st century. This is not an easy time for believers in Jesus Christ. This is not an easy time for people who desire to hold their ground, who have convictions, who believe in absolute truth. This is not an an easy time time for us. So in Daniel chapter one and verse one, it says this in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. So we start out okay with a humiliating defeat, a humiliating defeat. Nebuchadnezzar comes and he, he basically attacks Israel. And he breaks through their defenses, he just cuts through their defenses, and it is an absolutely terrible defeat for those living in Israel. God's people have lost everything they care about. They've lost the temple, they've lost their city. I mean, I want you to, I want you now. now all all of, all of they, all of they held most dear is now in the hands of the Babylonians. I want you to think about, we live in the United States, okay, we're a powerful country, but think about some, all of a sudden we wake up one morning, Washington has fallen, all our great cities have fallen, our defenses, we've, someone, another army has come and basically taken down our defenses, We wake up in a a country that we 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 thought it was safe, we thought we could handle anything, and all of a sudden our lives are turned upside down, upside down. Have you ever been in a humiliating situation, faced a humiliating situation in your life? Maybe at school or maybe with your friends or just, you know, in your family. You faced an absolutely humiliating set of circumstances. Has life ever changed so much for you that it was almost overwhelming? You went through this drastic change in your life, seemingly overnight. You know, you you were so secure in how you were living, and all of a sudden, things changed dramatically. Where life as you knew it, okay, was now over. It was over. And you had to adapt to a new normal. Something, something happened in your family, some, and, and you know everything was going smooth, and all of a sudden, this dramatic change in your life, and now there's a, quote, new normal. This is what the people of God were dealing with. They were dealing with a complete and utter change of their lives. As the years went by for the people of Israel, there were waves of destruction and deportation. And it was in the first deportation that Daniel and his three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, were taken to Babylon. So they're, so they're taken away. Can you imagine what they must be feeling? Can you imagine what they must be facing as teenagers and how they must have been feeling? They're taken so they're taken far away from the only home they've ever known. They, they, they don't know anything different. This was their home and now it is gone. And you think about this. They're under law. They're not under grace. OK, so sacrifice was important. So now they're probably wondering where, where, when are we going to sacrifice? How are we going to worship God? The temple, we can't go to the temple any longer. We can't we can't sacrifice. We can't worship. Imagine how they're feeling. Imagine how you're feeling if if, if someone came into our country and said religion is now abolished completely like it was in China years ago. Probably a little bit still now. Abolished Bibles, burned, gone. Imagine someone coming here and taking away your Bible and it's illegal to have one. You can't you can't worship God. There's no more. You can't come here under the threat of death, basically. Imagine how they must have been feeling. They're not able to worship. They're not able to sacrifice. See, as our world changes, many of us are asking similar questions. You know, how do we worship? How do we worship God in a rapidly changing culture? How do we do that? Things are changing all the time. How do we we hold on to the truths that God has put into our hearts? It seems that every day, Uh, Our truths and our beliefs are being challenged. You're trying to hold to an absolute truth, and that's being challenged. What you believe is being challenged. And and, in Daniel's case, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're trying to stand firm. They hold firm. But in many cases, we compromise. Something changes, and we compromise. All of a sudden, some truth, someone comes along and chases some social issue here or tells you what to believe there, and we begin to compromise. We still kind of believe in Jesus, but we, you know, we just compromise how we live our lives. We go along to get along. So in in a similar way, we're walking a path that our friend Daniel was walking, it's a little, it's obviously different, but we are faced with some of the same struggles as Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, as our culture begins to change. and Daniel chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, uh, in Daniel 1, is in verse 2, it says this, And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into, the, into his hands, along with some of the riches from the temple of God. These he carried off to the temple of his God in Babylonia and put in the treasure house of his God. So Nebuchadnezzar comes along, he defeats, he breaks through the, 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 the forces in, in Israel, okay? He ransacks the temple, and he takes what he, has ta- what, he has, uh, what he has ransacked from the temple back to Babylon. He places it in the temple, all that he had taken to the temple of his god, their main god, Bel, or Marduk. Okay so he takes it all and he puts it in there and now now you have to understand this is a in our in our terms a real in your face kind of move I mean this is an absolute in your face kind of move by the king of Babylon he he's he he's saying let's be clear our god is greater than your god that's what he's saying here he ransacks it he takes the stuff our god is greater than your god he robs the temple And he just wanted it was it was a way of saying we have completely defeated the God of Israel. That's what they felt. We have defeated our gods have defeated your gods. We have defeated you from a worldly point of view. It appeared that God was dead, if you will. Right. Where's your God? I mean, how many how many times does the the enemy say that to you? Where's your God and all that you're going through. where's where is he now? Where is he now? And so from a worldly standpoint it seems like Jehovah God has been defeated he's been defeated you know sometimes the enemy wants us to think in our hearts and in our minds wants us to think can you really trust a god who's losing look at your culture look at the look at the changes that we've been through in 20- can you really trust can you really believe and trust in a god who is losing? I mean, sometimes we think, man, we're getting we're getting killed. We're, we're, we're getting killed. Our worldview seems to be in decline. Our beliefs seem to be under siege, if you will. Our, our, our values are being robbed. They're being robbed like the temple. They're being robbed from us. And so the enemy comes along and says to you, Can you can you really trust a God? who seems to be beaten on all fronts. So I asked the question this morning, will we stand under the pressure that we are under as a culture, as the church? Followers of Jesus Christ, will we stand or will we compromise in the face of adversity and pressure? That's the question we need to ask ourselves throughout this series. As we face pressures in life, will we stand like Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, or will we compromise in the face of adversity? I want to to take us back to our last series for a second. How, How big is your God? So is your God big enough for your present circumstances? Is your God big enough to overcome the cultural challenges that we face? Is your God big enough to handle all the cultural challenges that you face on an individual basis, whether it's in school or at work or on your team, whatever the case may be? In our story, Daniel may have seemed to, it may have seemed in in, in Daniel's world that everything was lost. That, you know, think about this. They come in, they, they ransack the temple, they're, 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 they're demolishing everything, they're, they've taken over. It seems like all has been lost. But let me tell you something. Our God has the most amazing way of rising, of raising up, when and how you least expect it. Just when you least expect it, our God will rise. Our God is not dead. Our God is never dead. Daniel's God was not dead. But for now, for now, things looked really bleak. Okay? Things looked really bad. So in Daniel chapter 1, verses 3 through 5, it says, Then the king ordered Ashpenaz. I love that name. If you're having a baby soon, Ashpenaz. I mean, come on. You can, what's your name? Ashpenaz. Ashpenaz. You know what I mean? You can, you know, it's like, it's a cool name. Well, Ashpenaz, okay, chief of the court officials to bring in some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility, young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians. The king assigned them a daily amount of food, and water from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years. And after that, they were to enter the king's service. So Daniel is now in Babylon and Daniel will never see his home again. Okay, that's where he is. He's a teenager. He's in Babylon. He's been now chosen. He's in the king's, you know, Ashpenaz is now overseeing him and, and his education. So that's where Daniel finds himself. Are, are, any, are you any Star Trek fans here? Any Star Trek fans? Raise your hand. Come on. It's okay to admit it. All right. I'm, I like Star Trek. I like Star Wars. Okay, so Star Trek. In Star Trek, the next generation, there is an enemy called what? The Borg, right? The Borg, yes, the Borg, right? And the Borg, what the Borg do is they go and they assimilate other worlds into their collective, right? So they go around, they destroy the other person's culture, and they take a certain amount of people, you know, and they, they assimilate them into their collective. The Babylonians are like the Borg. Right. What they do is they find the best um, that they consider, okay, the best and the brightest of the Jewish boys. And then they basically indoctrinate them into their worldview, similar to some of your professors at college. Right. Right. You can't go into a class. These people aren't trying to teach you. They're trying to indoctrinate you your Sunday school classes. That's that's for children. And your pastor, what does he know? It doesn't really... You've been taught all these things. Now we're... Now, for the next four years, we're going to indoctrinate you into a new way of thinking, into a new worldview. And they've got their little talks all down. They've heard from Christians for years and years and years, and mostly younger Christians don't have their apologetics down. So they make it sound like their worldview makes all the sense in the world, and yours is just for babies and idiots. You know what I'm saying? And they intellectually intimidate you. And that's exactly what was happening here. Exactly what was happening. So Daniel and his friends are assigned to Ashpenaz. Ashpenaz is the right-hand man, okay, of King Nebuchadnezzar. Ashpenaz's responsibility is to educate Daniel and his friends, And it was during that time for three years, they would be educated into all forms of uh, Babylonian literature and language and history and religion and everything that had to do with Babylon. They would be indoctrinated. And then when they completed their three year term, if you will there's this carrot that's held out because if they rise to that position they would be then given high positions in the uh, in Nebuchadnezzar's government again please hear me 15 16 years old taken from your home okay you've been captured you're being indoctrinated You're not going home. Mom and dad are gone. No one's there to protect you. No one's there to help you. You're a kid. And now they're saying you're going to be indoctrinated. Okay. And on top of that, but here's the thing. Life's going to get so much better for you because now we're going to put out the enticement and the lure of power and pleasure OK, popularity, whatever you want to call it, prosperity. And so now you've got to think about where Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego are in their minds. Now, what are they going to do? What are they going to choose? I mean, they have it so much more difficult than we do. So how are these guys going to respond? Daniel, chapter one, verses six and seven continues among these. Were, uh, were some of, from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael and Azariah. The chief official gave them new names to Daniel, the name Belshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mish- uh, Mishael, Meshach and to Azariah, Abednego. OK. All of these names, okay, all of these names had very uh, special meaning in, in Hebrew, okay? They all related back to the God of the Israelites, okay? It that, that, that was their God. These names had specific meaning when it came to uh, being a people of God. So, the Babylonians renamed them. And so, in, when it comes to the, when it comes to the Hebrew names, they contain references to the God of Israel. When the Babylonians renamed them, they took on the meaning of Babylonian gods. That was their, their names now were changed, and they had reference to Babylonian gods. To Daniel, God is my judge. That's what Daniel means, was changed to Belshazzar. OK, Belshazzar, Bell, their main, their main God, Bell protect the king. That's what it means. So his name is now changed. Hananiah, the Lord is gracious, OK, is now Shadrach. Shadrach means command of a coup. A coup is the Samarian, Samaritan Samaritan God. All right. So now his name is is changed. Mishael means who is like the Lord. Think about this. That's what your name means. Who is like the Lord. Now he's Meshach. OK, Meshach, who is what a coup is. That's what it means. Who is what a coup is? So you go from who is like the Lord to who is what a coup is? And then Azariah, Abednego. And the, again, the name it, it basically means servant of Nebo, another Babylonian god. So <laughs> you, you 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 gotta you gotta start thinking here, what on earth? They change they changed their names. A few, a few thoughts about the, the name changing. Alright. So we have to come to the conclusion that these four young men were raised in godly families by parents who loved the Lord. They didn't, they didn't just pick these names out there. They didn't go through a little book and say, oh, I like this name. They, they had specific meaning, okay, to the God of Israel. These were godly parents. So they were raising their children in a godly way. The Babylonians were trying to think about this. The Babylonians were trying to steal their heritage. They weren't stupid. They knew exactly what they were doing. They knew what these names meant. And they knew what the names they had just given them meant. They were trying to steal their heritage. They were trying to steal, literally trying to steal their identity. They were being, if you will, they were being weaned away from their past step by step by step. Drip by drip. You know the frog in the kettle, right? Put the frog in a pot, a pot of water. If you throw him in a pot of boiling water right away, the frog jumps right out. But if you take a frog and put it in a, pot of, uh, you put a, in a pot of water and put it over the heat and turn the heat up, over time, the frog will just sit there and cook himself to death. won't jump out. And this is what was happening. Step by step, the goal, the, the real goal here, the idea was that they might forget their past, okay, their identity altogether, their heritage altogether. Clearly, clearly the goal was to begin to get them to listen to me, talk and think and act like the culture around them. There, there's the goal. When you go to work, do you talk and act like the people at work when you're at work? When you go to school, when you go back to college, are you going to think and act and talk like the people who are around you? Since you've been to college, okay, the years you've been at college, have you changed your views on social issues, biblical issues? Have you changed your views based upon the pressure, the indoctrination of the people around you? It's not all bad. They're great teachers and there are teachers like that. But have you changed because of the pressure you may be facing from the people around you? Think about Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Okay, what they were going through. Now you're, you, you. We all find ourselves at work, or at school, or college, or with our families, with our friends, or in our, on our teams. We all have to face these kinds of questions. So the question is, how are you uncompromising in your life? And if you if you have compromised in your life before you leave here this morning, I want to make sure that you get a chance to just ask God to forgive you for that and so that you can move forward in strength. See. It may have worked. This whole indoctrination thing may have worked for for most people, but but not for our guys. Not 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 for Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego and Daniel. He changing, changing their changing their location. Was one thing. Changing their hearts was a whole different story altogether. You can take them out of Israel, okay? You can take them away from their homeland. But you can't take God out of their hearts. They were going to stand strong. As parents, we need to keep this. This is one of the things we can learn. We need to plant the seed of truth in the lives of our children. When you teach a Sunday school class, you need to plant the seed of truth in the life of the children. And then we need to pray and trust that God will nurture and help those seeds to grow and flourish. Because our children will leave at one point, And they'll have to go out into the world. And the world is going to try to indoctrinate them and. Tell them what they believe is completely false and they need to be strong enough to stand on their own. The world is going to try to squeeze every single one of us into its mold. But like Daniel, we have to be able to not give into the pressure. In the last series, in the last series, what did we do? We started right in, in bondage and then we took ground. You took ground. You're not as anxious as you used to be. You're not as you're as fearful as you used to be. You don't lose your temper as much as you did before. You're overcoming that drinking addiction or whatever addiction you have. You're overcoming that sin. So you've moved forward. You've, you've moved forward. You've taken ground from the enemy. And now, now in uncompromising, how do we hold this ground? We've taken the ground. How do we put a stake in the ground, a beachhead, if you will, from a military standpoint? We've taken the beach. How do we hold the beach? How do we hold the ground? Okay, think about the Babylonian plan here. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. First, they make you feel isolated. Ever feel isolated at school? Like you're the only one who thinks the way you think? Okay? And then you're indoctrinated. Ever feel that way? Some of you guys are going to college right now. You ever feel like you're, you're constantly having to fight off this kind of indoctrination? It, it, or maybe, it, maybe uh, I don't know, maybe it's, maybe it's your family. You go, you, you know, you, you're walking with Christ, but you don't have a, a family that loves the Lord. And so they're constantly trying to talk you out of something. Then they create confusion by changing your na- their, their names. Isolation, indoctrination, and then confusion. Confusion ever feel like you're confused about your identity? What is your purpose? What's your identity? Why are are you here? Our culture, listen, tell me, afterwards, you can tell me if you think I'm wrong. Our culture is absolutely consumed with identity confusion. Consumed with it. Now, I'm not going to get into all the details now, but I want to ask the question, why is our culture so consumed with identity confusion, okay, at the same time dividing us into different groups? If it, whether you're white, or you're black, or you're a man, you're a woman, you're this, you're that, you're whatever. They divide, they're dividing us from each other, okay, causing conflict. So they're dividing us by groups. And then they're confusing, their, their main goal is to confuse our identity. Confusion of identity. Huh, I wonder, if you sit back and think, well, that's just, that's just whatever. This is a plan, and you have to ask the question, why are they doing that? Why are we being divided against each other? And then the confusion of our identities, something you need to hold on to. We'll talk about later. And then you have the diet. okay? so he's got this new diet. You think, well, big deal, new diet, better food. This is actually an incredible temptation for them, for these four men to come, these four young men to compromise their faith. okay, and their worldview. This is the biggest one of all. This is though. This is where the rubber meets the road here. This is the biggest one of all. This compromise, are they going to compromise in this area? We'll talk about that in the next couple of weeks. So how did these four teenagers overcome and stand their ground when other people were just giving in? How did they overcome when they were under so much intense pressure? See, I think the answer is found in Daniel chapter 1 in verse 8. And listen, listen to me, write this down. Daniel chapter 1, 8 says that, that Daniel purposed in his heart Daniel purposed in his heart. Before you leave here this morning, you, before you go back to where you're going, you need a purpose in your heart. Daniel purposed in his heart not to eat the food from the king's table. See, in the end, it always comes down to heart. It always comes down to the heart. Their physical bodies may have been in Babylon, but their heart was always with the Lord. He purposed in his heart. He probably said to his little 15 or 16 year old mind, his big 15 or 16 year old mind, you know what, no matter what, Lord, no matter what they do to me, I am not going to compromise. I don't care what they say. I am not going to compromise. They may have pulled me out of my home, all I've ever known, taking me away from my parents, but I'm going to remember what I was taught. I will not compromise. He purposed in his heart. They, they, they never forgot, listen, they never forgot who they were or whose they were. I am a joint heir with Jesus Christ. I belong to God. I'm a child of God. I belong to God. When I know whose I am, I know who I am. And you can never take that away from me. Regardless of what circumstances I find my way, my way no matter what situation I find myself, no matter where I go in the world, you cannot take away who I am because I know whose I am. No matter what the circumstance you find yourself in, you need to remember, I am a child of God. I am a child of God. I don't care where you go in the world. I don't care where you go in this town. I don't care where you go. You are a child of God and you purpose in your heart to remember, I am a child of God. I am a joint heir of Jesus Christ. I am a royal. I am a a holy nation, a person belonging to God. That is who I am. And we never need to forget who we serve. We serve. The Lord and the king that we serve. Listen, their faith, their faith was absolutely certain and their hearts were strong. And here's the thing. The most powerful man on the planet was helpless to do anything about it. Here are these teenagers being indoctrinated by the most powerful people and the most powerful people in the world because they purpose in their hearts. Couldn't do a thing about it couldn't do a thing about it. They belong to God and God. Listen, remember in in, in, in our last in the last sermon, right? Our last series, right? Joseph, they belonged to God and God was still in control. My friends, he was never defeated. He took some things out of the temple. That doesn't defeat God. God was never. God was always in control of all of this. You may be under tremendous pressure, but God is with you. Listen to me, you're going back to college, you're going back to work tomorrow, you're going back to all these places in a new year, and you're going to face the same struggles. But understand something, God is with you every step of the way. No matter what struggles you face in this world, and what temptations, and what what, what overpowering... Problems that may come your way, or pressures that may come your way, God is with you every step of the way. Jesus said in John chapter 17 and verse 15, he said this, "My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. Our God has placed you and we have been placed here at this time in history for a specific purpose. He puts us in challenging places to overcome to, to, to overcome overwhelming odds, so that He can display His unlimited power through our lives. You're a joint heir of Jesus Christ. Greater is He that is in you than He that is in the world. He puts you in certain places, okay, to face overwhelming odds that He can display to this world His unlimited limitless power. God calls us not just listen to survive. Oh my gosh, how are we going to survive? I'm going back to, what am I going to do when I get back to school and everything? He's not calling you just to survive. He's calling you to thrive in the most challenging circumstances. You may find yourselves. Daniel and his friends were in the most challenging circumstances they could ever possibly imagine. And he's calling them not only to survive it, but to thrive in it. If you have given your life to Jesus Christ, then you have the Holy Spirit of God living in you. The power of the Spirit of God living in you. You have the resurrection power of God in you. We are not. We should not be on the defense. We should be on the offense. Regardless of the pressure that you face, you should never give in. You should never give up. You should never look back. You should never, never look back. Listen, we are born. If you ask Christ to come into your life, you are born again. That means your past has been redeemed. Okay? That means your present has been renewed. That means your future has been secured. You have been sealed by the Holy Spirit of God. And no one, no matter what they say, can take that away from you. It's over. It's done. You know who you are. You know whose you are. My past has been redeemed. My present has been renewed. And my future has been secured. And no one can do anything about it. So why then do we live, like Jen said before, like paupers, why do we live like slaves? We should no longer accept tiny dreams and tame visions and timid goals. If you set a goal, if you said it and it was kind of timid, set another one and move to the promised land. Move on from bondage to the promised land. We can no longer live like somehow we are victims when we are actually victors through Jesus Christ and all that he has done in our lives. And we should no longer be taken in by the lure of power. No longer taken in by the lure of pleasure or a prosperity holding in front of you if you just give in to this if you, just give, if you just compromise here we'll get you this position you'll be here you'll never get to the top of the ladder if you hold on to the views you have now it, that's, what, that's what they'll tell you and we need not give in to the lure of power and, and prestige and pleasure and all those things if God wants you to have those things if God wants you to have power you'll have power if God wants you to have the, the prestige You'll have prestige. He'll give you what you need to accomplish everything that he has for your life. See, your path may be rough. But your guide, your your guide through all this is reliable and your calling should be clear. When you leave this place this morning, you need to understand that your road that you're going to take. It may be rough, but your guide, Jesus Christ, is reliable. The Holy Spirit is reliable. He honors his promises and your calling is clear. Your calling is clear. You should not be confused. We should not compromise. We should be uncompromising when it comes to the word of God. I want you to stand up with me as we close. I want you to stand up. I want you to come. Actually, come up here. Come up forward. Everybody come up. Here's what I I want us to do. Come on up. Just stand up. Just stand up here. Let's stand together as we close out this service, and let us let us sing. Let's do more than sing. Let's declare. Let's declare that we will not compromise in the face of pressure, in the face of this culture. Let's make sure we all agree. Keep coming up. Let's make sure that we are not going to lose the ground that we have already taken from the enemy. Remember, one last thing. As they're coming up here, you guys are coming up here. Okay? The armor of God. The armor of God. You go back and look at this. The only place you're vulnerable in the armor of God is in your back. Don't turn your back. Keep moving forward. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Let us let's just sing this song in praise to God and in clarification that we know who we are, and we know who he is. My Jesus. My...